Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, where do we start? What a weekend. Well, was it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've actually got to talk about everything that happened in between testing and the race. Yes, we actually have a lot to catch up mm. on because if you are tuning into your first after the chicken flag of the year, you will have missed our previous pre-season and, and, and off-season episodes where we discussed everything that was happening before testing in the first race um this year we're we're aiming at bi-weekly episodes so not every single week but bi-weekly which means that sometimes we'll miss races or things will happen but we'll always try and cover it in the next episode so we are here to yes discuss i guess a little bit of testing but more importantly the bahrain grand prix which i'm just gonna come straight out and say i think painted a slightly depressing picture for the competitiveness of the championship this year. I'm still holding a very positive outlook and mindset for the championship because I have seen a lot of negativity and a lot of assumptions on the fact that, oh, Max Verstappen is going to win another world championship. He might. However, I have been brushing up on this season of Drive to Survive, which I know that you are so far against the idea of oh, F1 God. becoming that style of entertainment. <laughs> I'm just going to say, this series, highly enjoyable and actually focused on quite a lot of stuff that happened that I'd forgotten about because it's very easy to get bogged down in what happens within the hour and a half, two hours worth of the race. But there was a lot of stuff that happened in fundamentally a boring season. Carlos Sainz won his first Grand Prix. That was cool to see. We were both there. We saw the podium. The Red Bull um, budget situation. Okay, where, so your theory is because Drive to Survive has found some interesting stories from last year, that gives us hope that actually this year isn't going to be a snore fest. What I'm saying <laughs> is George Russell is wrong saying that Red Bull are going to win every single race. It's just not going to happen. How do you, why not? Why isn't it going to happen? Because it's sport. Based it's purely on the first race and testing. Why wouldn't they win? Why is it not conceivable that they will win every single race? Because we saw that they didn't win every single race last year. Even they were nowhere near as dominant. 
nowhere near as dominant at this stage. Yeah, but we've just... It's literally not even the tip of the iceberg. We've seen less than, I don't know, like 5% of the season. You can't come out the blocks and just based off one race go, ah, it's done. Season's done. And I saw it all over social media. Even I did just because I wanted to jump on the bandwagon to be like, oh, okay, oh, Max Verstappen's going to win. Like, let's wait, look forward to 2024. You just don't know what's around the corner. No, and at the I'm, end I'm writing of, it off. At the it's end done. of the day... It's a sport nah. that is unpredictable. It's Formula One. Finished. No. <laughs> <laughs> After the checkered flag. So, yes, to recap, uh, testing and the first race of the year were dominated really by Red Bull. And look, I, I am sort of joking or i am realistic in the fact that we cannot we cannot predict the rest of the year based on on one race and preseason so i'm right you you sort yeah yeah Yeah, you're you're, you're right (laughs) but but there is an element of doom and gloom in my heart and my soul because like that level of domination in both of those settings would suggest that they are going to be very far ahead of the competition for quite some time and i think more importantly this year is there doesn't seem to be a clear challenger. Mm. You know, Mm. arguably, based on the first race, Mercedes, Ferrari, and Aston Martin are all in a battle for second, third, and fourth in the championship, but quite a far away from Red Bull. And so hopefully that means that their development war will push those cars forward quicker and Red Bull's hands will be tied with some of the restrictions that they've got because of the the budgetary... um, overspend foul play on, ca- on catering <laughs> sorry we bought far too many sausages <laughs> um so yeah hopefully it means yeah midway through the year we'll get a much more competitive order and and challenging for race victories but at that point will it be too late for the championship i i am just gonna say as a i'm just gonna say i think yes as a, as a pessimist yes <laughs> as a doom and gloom on this podcast i'm gonna say yes a lot of twitter came at me, classic yeah. Twitter, yeah. being like, oh, didn't see you complaining when Hamilton was winning. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, if you go back to my tweets, you will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not complaining that Max is winning. It's not, I'm not, com- it, it's, the, it's the dominance. Mm. No matter what, Schumacher era, I was a Schumacher fan, Hamilton era, I was a Hamilton fan, Vettel era, at the time I wasn't a Vettel fan, but if there's dominant driver and team, it does make the spectacle less exciting. Yeah. It's 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 tougher to watch. So then, from my positive mindset, please help you me. mentioning Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari in the mix in terms of they're all going to be pushing themselves for third place on well for the final podium step basically for the majority of the race weekends based on what we have seen last season. We had Ferrari completely self destruct. And then everyone else was way off Ferrari's pace. So there really wasn't a challenger. So what we could potentially hope for is the fact that there are three teams all driving each other forward and accelerating the development forward at a pace that we might not necessarily have seen other than when Red Bull were trying to catch Mercedes up a couple of seasons ago where they eventually got there. Um, Okay, we might not necessarily get that much action fighting against Red Bull this season, but those three going up against each other provides an exciting prospect. And the other thing that I picked up on, which I loved and took full advantage of, this season on Sky Sports, not that we're being paid or sponsored by them, but we could be. Sky Sports, are you listening? (laughs) 
how mad was the amount of camera um, uh, flexibility in terms of you were able to choose what angle you watched? And if you just watched the general one, okay, fine, you'd get to see the majority of the stuff. But if you could just watch one driver drive around the entire time. The best thing I saw, which I think was on TikTok or Instagram Reels, was somebody who had a yes, full screen and had showing all of the drivers. So they had two screens set up. One was showing just the normal coverage and then to the side of it was, yeah, all 20 drivers. So a box showing all 20 drivers. And, uh, and yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. But look, you, you are not wrong. You know, I am a form, I'm a diehard Formula 1 fan. I'm going to be watching every single race this season unless for whatever physical or logistical reason I can't. But I, I will be tuning in no matter what, even if Max romps away and he's 45 seconds in the lead. Very, I, I'll still be watching and I'll still find things to be excited about and to enjoy. But question for you, which you can already read the answer from me in the question. Yes, Sam, I am going to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. <laughs> Not the question, but we'll come back to that in the next section. Thanks for reminding me. Um, do, can you genuinely get excited by, or as excited by, the battle for, let's say, fourth and fifth, as you can for the race victory? So let's assume... For the rest of the year, it's Max and Sergio, always in P1 and P2. Maybe the order changes. Sometimes one of them drops out. And then you've got a, a mix behind that. And we're watching Alonso versus Hamilton for fourth and fifth. Is that going to excite you as much as if they were literally going for first and second? No, no it, it, it never will. But again, this is a sport that is hopefully not scripted. <laughs> ah, we don't know with Netflix. No, no, no. We're not a conspiracy corner yet. <laughs> okay. But... Um, the one rumour that you and I have talked about quite a lot that I'm definitely clutching at straws at a little bit is if Mercedes have this B-spec car, what does that do to the championship if they're able to introduce it? Because let's be honest, I was coming into this morning's podcast absolutely ready to annihilate Mercedes, and I still am, because how have they stuck with that concept and still got it wrong? It's another topic we could probably do an entirely different podcast on that but if they bring this b-spec car that has the ability to take us a, a p2 or a p3 and if they can start getting back on track with understanding it therefore their strategies become a little bit better are we going to see george and max fighting or lewis and george and max and checo all fighting for those top three podium spots all I want to see is a close battle. I don't just want to see Max drive off into the distance in cruise control. And if there is Aston Martin developing that's accelerating Ferrari's development and Mercedes coming with an all-new car, we saw it, I can't remember what year it was, when Vettel was romping the first half of the season and Lewis has done it on multiple occasions where he's come back and driven his car, the wheels off his car and closed the gap. And we saw it... Well, it was when Max won his first world championship. Lewis was pretty much written off from that championship and came back. So that's where just I to clarify, hold my hope. Just to clarify, there are other examples where it's not just Lewis Hamilton that we're claiming does come back. Vettel versus Alonso. No, but Alonso romped away and Vettel came back. The point being, yes. we can see a second half. It just suddenly sounded like we were back in the Lewis Hamilton fan camp by going, well, Lewis could always. Uh, are you we, don't know. Don't uh, write uh, him are, off. Are we, are we not? <laughs> no, but I actually saw a tweet on Twitter that said something along the lines of the entire race weekend. And I don't think he was a Lewis fan. 
is is always dominated if Lewis is fighting for a position or there's a potential for a podium, even if he's not going to win. And we saw it at Silverstone, the level of excitement around him being right at the front and again in America last year. Whether you're a Lewis fa- fan or not, like the amount of weight that he brings to a race and the entertainment of him being up there and in the mix, we are obviously Lewis fans, but it just provides because we know how good he is and there's always an element of can he bring a bit of magic to do something that is completely alien to what we're used to in Formula One. He's a, he's a global superstar and so, yeah, of course, the, the attention and it, it is on him. But I think, yeah, look, we've both watched the sport long enough to know that we shouldn't write off the season right now. There have been plenty of other very boring first races of the year. And I don't think Bahrain was a very boring race. And there have been plenty of other seasons where a team, Braun, have looked dominant at the start of the year and then other teams have caught up and, and made the the competitive order a lot more competitive. Um, <laughs> but as I say, I, I just reading between the lines, I'm like, wow, they have got a big advantage. So let's wait and see. But for sure, some teams are going to have to figure out the mess that they have found themselves in before we can really start to consider rivals for Red Bull. After the flag. So I guess, yes, that's the perfect segue to, or perfect segue, 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 <laughs> to talk about, I guess, the disasters. Because mm. there were some great positive stories from Bahrain and from testing and some things to be like, oh, hello. But then there were also some bleak pictures mm. and you've touched on Mercedes and let's extrapolate that quickly now. But we also have to discuss McLaren. Oh, <laughs> and Alpine, actually. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. what does... And Haas. I mean, people have really fallen away. But anyway, so yes, Mercedes, to uh, touch on a point you just made, there is this sort of... I don't think it's even speculation. I think it's kind of been confirmed that Mercedes have always had almost a... a a B-spec car and and potentially even a C-spec car, they sort of went into the winter going, right, we still think we can untap the potential of these kind of no side pod cars. We're going to just give it one more Hail Mary and, and hope that we can figure this thing out. And then if not, we'll have the backup car ready that we can introduce from Baku. Mm. So I understood it from all of the commentary from within the Mercedes group, from Toto, from Lewis, from George, that, yeah, that, that car, the no sidepod car is gone. That yeah. was the nail in the coffin. They turned up at Bahrain, arguably the fourth fastest team. I mean, it was a little bit blurred for the final result because Leclerc had his failure and Science's tyres came off. So they looked a bit closer than I think they actually were. Um, but if you look at George's race pace, for example, yeah. I, I think they're the fourth fastest team. And they went, all right, let's get rid of this. So we should expect, I guess, the B car come back who? Which, look, if the B car is on the same pace as Red Bull, we've still got a championship. We've yeah. definitely still got a championship. But is it likely? I, I don't know. But why do you think or can you believe they stuck with that concept? Well, this is kind of where I lose a little bit of faith in the top tier management and engineers that did stick with it because it obviously was very track specific last year and for the first half completely uncompetitive they were miles more off la- at the beginning of last season no this year they were this fur- year? further away this year than last year but in the practice and qualifying i suppose maybe the race pace is slightly different but i was getting slightly worried because we also saw how 
Mercedes didn't understand the car strategically last year, where they were making pretty poor calls that were either the wrong tyres or the wrong window to come in and, and not really taking the uh, scruff of the neck in terms of understanding what to do with the car. And they kind of then went to George and Lewis being like, hey, how are the tyres feeling? Can you kind of give us some, some data? Because we have no idea what's going on. Whereas seasons before, they were so in tune and at one with that car that they were able to pull off these amazing undercuts or overcuts and it always worked, which gives me this lack of confidence that even if they were then going to bring this second car, do they understand it to the point where they will then be able to rival the championship or is it just purely their a spec car is that bad they have to go to this contingency plan and an emergency of well this is our best option now that worries me a little bit but i'm still holding a little bit of hope well yeah i think there's clearly um uh not so correlation is good so what's the what's the opposite of correlation there's a Anyway, something's going wrong between their simulation, their computer systems, and their final product. Mm. Because they obviously believed, without putting the car on track, they had figured out yeah. the issues from last year and moved that car forward. Then they got to testing and went, oh, oh crap, we, we haven't. And, and that's where they've got this issue. And the same thing happened last year. They were super confident going into the season. They thought, yeah. we've got a great concept here. This is going to be fantastic. They, they didn't see the bouncing um, the porpoising in the sort of test on the computer screen, at least. So then they spent half the year, as you said, trying to dial that out. And then they got the car. They went, okay, right, we're kind of, we got rid of that. Now what do we do with this car? And we did have some amazing competitive results. And of course, Russell had that credible victory at Brazil and Lewis was close a couple of times. Um, but it took them half a year to figure that out. And I think they spent the winter going, right, we've got this now. Put the car on track. I went, oh no, it's still crap. Yeah. But Honza, let's, let's see, let's get to the first race. And then they've gone, no, we've slipped further back. And Okay, look, they're not at the back of the grid like McLaren, <laughs> but if they stick with where they're at, they're probably looking at a solid fourth place finish in the championship, realistically. Yeah. Hard to know Aston Martin's development over the year, but at this point well, in time, you would say you're looking at a fourth place. Yeah. So I think they've got to go for plan B. Have to. They absolutely have to. The question you're right is if they got their computer analytics or, or what's called... um. So I didn't sleep last night, by the way. I have a two and a half month old daughter and we got back from a trip at about 1 a.m. I have not slept, but anyway. Um, uh, yeah, if they got all their data wrong for the car that we've seen on track in Bahrain, what suggests the data's going to be right for the yeah, yeah. other car? And yeah, as I say, maybe that's what's going on at McLaren because boy, oh boy, have they taken their eye off the ball. I mean you were saying we shouldn't judge the entire season on one race. And McLaren have been very vocal to say that it's the same with them. Do not judge our car and our year based on this race and this track. We haven't figured it out yet. We're behind. The regulation change caught us out a bit. In a few races time, we'll be back up to speed. But what is that speed? Is yeah. that sixth or seventh place in the well, championship? At the moment, back up to speed is going to see them competing with Williams. Literally, I mean, <laughs> bravo Williams, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Great step forward. But, you know... It is fascinating with all of these new reg changes, the this spending cap or budget cap, which, by the way, how have Mercedes managed to have a completely different car built within the budget cap? 
Like, well, it's not built, I think is the point, isn't it? So but like, then what happens when they build it and then use a massive chunk of their spending cap? No, because you would build it just like you would build, because there's various chassis, right? So the the allocated must be a chunk time, of money. If, you, if you think about the allocated time of people that you use, it, it's not, it, it weirdly wouldn't be because it's just human resources. Because what it would have done is they would have said, right, we're just doing an evolution of last year's car. So we're not, our design team, our prototype team, our testing and development team, you know, with all the models and things like that and the wind tunnel time. We already know, we already have so much data. So it's just an evolution. So we can use a lot of simulations to work that out. The wind tunnel time could be used for the B spec car. So they could have almost won them simultaneously. So taking the okay. model, taking the model to the wind tunnel and bolted parts on and off, and you're still using the same allocation. So so it's I not know, an entirely different yeah, car. Yeah, I know where you're coming from, but it's not like in the early two thousands where they, literally they were had a different car. building an entire car for a different team and they were doing test days around the world and blah blah blah. So I think there's clever ways to trick it. But yeah, McLaren, I'm gonna be really co- oh, where's our conspiracy corner? Play the theme tune. I I'm just going to come out and say I think Zach Brown is all wrong for McLaren. I just realised this isn't a conspiracy. This is just an accusation. (laughs) I think he's a marketing man and a very good marketing man. I've seen a similar theory. Yeah, because let's face it: when were McLaren? When did they have that really strong season? with Norris and Ricardo and the year before that with Norris and Sainz it was what 2020 yeah because uh, they... with the Monza victory Norris nearly won in Sochi the year before that Sainz and Norris won the podium a lot Sainz secured whatever it was fourth or fifth in the championship yeah, yeah. and I think Zach went right got the F1 team sorted mm. I'm going to go and buy Extreme E I'm going to buy IndyCar teams I'm going to invest in or you know set up a sim racing team I was going mad, McLaren brand, McLaren everywhere, McLaren Formula E, blah, blah, blah. Formula One sorted, don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And then literally over the last two and a half years, three, they've just been slipping back. Mm. And I'm not going to sit here and go, I'll see, so Danny Rick wasn't the problem. I don't think that's fine. I think the car is just not competitive because they just haven't worked hard enough at it. And let's hope they turn it around, but they're not going to turn it around and start scoring podiums. I don't think. Yeah. Don't judge our season based on this race, but... They're so far off the pace. What can they do? And you saying they've not worked hard. I'm sure they've worked pretty hard. Like those guys, it, I, I, I don't really know how to summarize that first race, but going back to Drive to Survive. Oh God. I literally just watched on the plane home yesterday the McLaren episode when Danny Rick loses his seat. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To Alpine, to Gasly. And there's so much focus on Zach Brown, McLaren, to Piastri. And Zach is sat there so smug with this driver lineup. There's a part of me, even though I'm British, McLaren is British, I want to see them up there fighting I love Lando. I'm excited to see what Piastri can do. It's still kind of quite like funny to see how smug he is. And then in hindsight, see this season opener because he's sat there going, I've I've like got the best driver lineup. We're going to have a fantastic season and all of our competitors are screwed. And there must all of it like Alpine and maybe not Alpine, but like everyone's just like, what, what, what are you talking about? What have you done? <laughs> but honestly, I was listening to, um, I think it was the races testing analysis. Uh, there's another podcast. And I think it was Gary Anderson that was saying, or somebody was saying, well, to combat your point that I'm sure they've worked hard. It's an air of unprofessionalism about the McLaren operation right now. There's some of their issues that they were having, a lot to do with all the brake cooling and the brake ducts and things like that during testing. He said reminded him of, early 1990s mm. like they're there literally scraping melted plastic off their brakes and stuff like that and he's like that is that is not a professional formula one team yeah. like the least you should do especially with the limited days of testing and as a team like mclaren is turn up and run the cars for all three days mm. like this is not a major engine regulation change you had these cars last year. They are all evolutions. There is no way that you should come and not be able to run the car. Mm. And then we see Lando making 75 pit stops because <laughs> of a million mechanical... Like, it just seems a mess. Like, and if you, even if you look back to the Honda years, I don't think it seems as, as dire, as embarrassing as it does now because the cars just seem unreliable and not quick. Yeah. At least with Honda, they just weren't quick, but they were sort of... Actually, they were unreliable as well. But anyway, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's a sorry state of affairs. I think it's going to be bad for Piastri, who upset a lot of carts with the moves that he did and has now come in. Lando has own, only knows that McLaren car. So if anyone's going to be able to figure out how to drive it, it's going to be him. Yep. So Which Piastri's he came out at the beginning of the race and said, this car is, is, is pretty slow and pretty undrivable. So have fun with the season. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I just think it's depressing, you know, like... Like a Williams, McLaren are a team that we all want to see doing well, and they've been they've been in the the doldrums for a bit too long now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it, and I just feel like yeah, Ch- there's change a lack, at the top is needed. Yeah, a lack of attention or a lack of something 
for them to have just slid back again after kind of feeling like they were crawling back towards the front. And it's just all about sponsorship, sponsorship. So let's, in, let's bring on iPads or Kindle technology so we can have rotating sponsors, but let's not actually think about developing the car. Mm. Let's just think of how many more sponsors we can cram into the livery. It seems a bit mad, but... So I thought they were disappointing, and I thought Alpine as well. Yeah. You know, Alpine looked really disappointing in testing, and everyone went, oh, they're sandbagging. And obviously I went to the launch where they're like, oh, yeah, we're looking at a solid fourth. They do not look anywhere near fourth, yeah, moment, especially yeah. with Aston Martin doing the leapfrog. So I think those three teams for me, Haas, we can touch on, but I think, let's wait and see with Haas. I think Hulkenberg's qualifying was pretty amazing, so I don't know what happened to them in the race, but we'll hold tight. But I, I think as overall from testing and from the race, uh, Mercedes, McLaren, and Alpine were the like, oh, God. Mm. Yeah. After the chicken flag. Let's move on to the positive there. <laughs> Enough talking about teams we're depressed by. <laughs> Let's talk about teams we're excited by. And you mentioned Williams. Yeah, they are. Oh. On fire. Yeah. Logan Sargent. Yeah. I well, mean, I was going to say Albon, but yeah. No, but what my point being. I think we know that Albon can deliver a exactly. solid race result. That's it. He's I mean, my hero. Albon hero. Not doing anything he hasn't done before, but Logan Sargent, yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. Kind of nipping at his heels and, and not a like, okay, we're going to, he's going to dominate that team, but way more competitive than Latifi. <laughs> I was just about to say, let's compare it to the other driver that Williams used to have. <laughs> and if you are Williams and you're thinking, okay, we've got a half competitive car here, you're thinking, we've got two drivers that can kind of clean up points. Like Logan was at there. At least know their way around a track. Logan was there throughout the race, really kind of ready to scoop up some points if there was a big smash in front of him or something. Yeah, so yeah. I think there's a lot of positivity there. I, I, that excites me a lot. Um, and let's hope it is the start of an upward trend. You know, th this year, that what it's going to be telling, of course, is you, it, it's the development race. Mm. You know, we have this order that at a track like Bahrain to see the, t the teams qualify or all the drivers qualify, like just over a second at some... Like, that suggests we're going to have a fairly thick midfield yeah. for the whole year. And so there are going to be some crazy upsets and we are going to see tracks that suit some teams better. And we're going to see Albon maybe up towards the podium places at some yeah, places. Yeah. Um, you never know. So I think that's great. But we can't really talk about positivity around Williams and not touch on Aston Martin. Mm. Do you want to remind everyone of our conspiracy corner in our last episode? <laughs> yeah. So the idea that Lawrence Stroll wants out, wants to sell the entire thing, our theory was... In testing, the majority of the teams will sandbag. They'll kind of hold back. They'll put a little sheet or a little curtain over their car and the true performance. Whereas what we thought was going to happen was Aston Martin were going to come, turn their engines up and absolutely fly. And we saw everyone talking about, oh my God, have you seen Aston Martin? Like they are on fire. They're going to be up in the podiums. They could be driver constructor championships with Alonso behind the wheel, blah, 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 blah. We were like, nah, Lawrence Stroll just wants to sell the company so he's going to overinflate the performance and try and get a bigger paycheck. I mean, in theory... <laughs> he could still be doing that. He but. could still be doing that. But what we saw, especially like in qualifying in that race pace with obviously Leclerc coming out as well, like, I'm real. I actually, like, we've not been well we've been very vocal about the fact that we're not the biggest alonzo fans it's actually quite cool to see well <laughs> i thought so i really struggle with the fact that it's alonzo doing all this and i saw I, I would much rather alonzo than stroll like i just i just okay okay so hold on hold hold the phone here hold the phone so yeah just to clarify uh yeah aston martin delivering on their promise 
qualifying, I think everyone went, ah, okay. You know, when it really comes to the crux of it, yeah. they're not quite there. Yeah. Uh, and everyone thought it was a little bit of too much hype. But then on the race, race pace, 100% delivered. That car, I would say, is probably the second or third fastest. I think they're, they're you know, it, they're, because of their start and because of the qualifying, they were sort of a bit further back. But Alonso's race pace was mega. And so was Stroll's. So why do I struggle with Alonso? He was always enemy number one, you yeah. know, Schumacher era, Hamilton era, even the Vettel era. I wasn't the biggest Vettel fan, but I just, I've never, uh, enamored. I've never liked Alonso as a competitor or a racer. I never met the guy. I'm sure he's a total lad, but I just, you know, I, we're sports fans. You yeah. have people you like and you don't like. Um, and the fact that he's 41, but also the fact that all Alonso fans have always, Alonso's the greatest. Yeah. How much it's crap. <laughs> Put Alonso in those cars, he would have won seven, 17 championships. <laughs> but he didn't because he wasn't in those cars because he messed up all the relationships he had with all the teams before that. <laughs> and he had plenty of times to win championships and he missed them. So I just, the the hype, the Alonso hype train has annoyed me. Was the story cool that 20 years on, here he is on the podium and like, you know, some people's racing careers haven't been as long as he's been racing in Formula. You know, yes, that's great. And it's good for Formula One that there is a story there. But I am now a Lance Stroll fan because all of our speculation and conspiracy that that guy hates Formula One and that he's only there to please his daddy and he's sort of slightly blackmailed into actually going to race. (laughs) The boy's a bloody hero. He legitimately almost snapped off both his hands. Like his wrists were gone. He's got metal screws in both. He's got a broken toe six days before going racing. And he turns up and delivers a Q3 quality and a solid race result. I think that shows, I, I, think, it's imp- I think it's super impressive. We have seen even Alonso bow out of the first few races because of cycling injuries. And it would have been all too easy for Lance, especially if, as we suspect, he's not actually that into his career to go, oh, I missed the first couple of races, put someone else in. But boy, if you, have you seen his post on Instagram mm, with the video? Yeah. and the thing? He was like, I am, and maybe it's because he knew how fast that car is. And he was like, I am, there is no way that potentially the quickest race car I've had in Formula One, apart from that Martini Williams, there is no way that I'm going to just sit back and let Alonso romp away with this. So maybe that was part of his motivation, but fair enough. Yeah. It shows that he's actually got motivation and wasn't it just his dad that put him on a plane straight to Spain to like go to the best doctor? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that his dad, of course, he is one of the wealthiest men in the world. He could get the best healthcare ever, but he had to do the work. Mm. He, his dad could put him on a plane and send him to the doctor, but he had to do the physiotherapy. If you watch what he was going through and how to yeah, recuperate no, no, and how no, to recover, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're not into it, you just go, sorry, it's too painful. Yeah. Like even when he turns up in the paddock, you just go, oh yeah, Steering was too tough, and we saw it in practice. Like yeah, he, he was, was taking, clearly yeah, struggling, yeah. so he could easily have bowed out at any point. And I actually, as much as a lot of people like the F one story of Alonso and how long he's been in the sport and he's been battling away and he's always been there, and I I admire the fact that at this stage in his career he's so hungry. I really admire that, but I do not like how hot and cold he is. Last year looked for any opportunity to slag off Lewis. Yeah, now that he's in a competitive car and racing alongside him best driver in the world, one of the greats. I would prefer the Lance Stroll story of here's a guy that we've all knocked 
for <laughs> close to a decade. Given the all, right car. Yeah, all <laughs> said that it just doesn't want to be there. And now it's cleaning up. Yeah. And I, I, I almost prefer that story. I mean, well, let's see. Hopefully with his recovery, we'll get him, we'll get him fighting against Alonso and we'll see the true Alonso performance. And ideally not crashing into him because that happened a lot last year. If it happens this <laughs> yeah. year, I think that could really floor uh, Aston Martin's yeah. plans. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I would put all of my eggs in the Alonso basket that he has got more chance of disrupting the podium. Yeah, for sure. His, his driving and overtake. And I'd probably prefer to see it. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I saw one pre-race interview with Lance Stroll and I instantly fell asleep. <laughs> Fair. Fair, but <laughs> it's just, I just, I just, I can't, you, you're a football fan. Who's mm. your team? I'm neutral. Uh, it's really annoying. Okay, so Tony's a Tottenham guy, right? He is. He couldn't suddenly start, I guess, uh, Arsenal's rival or Chelsea's <laughs> yeah, rival? Yeah, Arsenal's rival, yeah. He can't be happy for, Ar like, he's just never going to sit there and say, I love that Arsenal are winning. You know, because there's always going to be part of him that Arsenal are the rival. So yeah. I, I admire Alonso for the fighting spirit. I thought his overtakes were incredible. I like the story, but I just cannot sit here and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Like, yeah. I just, he was always my enemy. So. After the chicken flag. So I guess we have to wait with slight bated breath for the races ahead, which, you know, at the start of the year, we've always got these slightly odd races. You forced this topic onto us <laughs> but mentioned you're heading to saudi i am for so the, the first time the, fir oh, the first time in saudi first time in saudi yeah uh, and the first race that either of us are attending this year yeah so you're going to be giving us on the ground reports i i, I will be i'll be there with my cameras I'll be there with uh, the eyes wide open. I'll be looking for all of the conspiracies. If I can get into the paddock. So what's your whoa. access? Are you, gonna, are you with the team or anything? <laughs> so I don't know at the moment. Oh, great. <laughs> so I am flying out there with Built for Athletes, which is the new Red Bull sponsor for all of their luggage, their backpacks. Oh, cool. Verstappen and Checo Perez. Where oh, great. And I love backpacks. Yeah. And I've been basically hammering them since this Red Bull collaboration, being like, guys, this is the perfect opportunity. I can take the bags, which I've bought off my own back anyway, um, to the races and basically experience the race. Oh, well, hey. And the weekend. Can, if you can experience the race, but also get into the Red Bull garage and just unscrew some things. Oh, I don't like, just yeah. so it's more competitive. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. I'm... If Max is going to win, he's going to win. Good on yeah. him. Three-time world champion like he deserves so it. So if but I get the opportunity to just, just whisper into Christian Horner's ear and just be like, look. Turn the tie blankets off. Yeah. Just something. Yeah. Just to bring the field a little closer. Or if everyone's going like medium, hard. Just do the hearts, Christian. Yeah, like I, th I it's think- It's a good like, choice. Yeah, I've done, I've ran, I've ran the numbers yeah. <laughs> on my iPhone calculator. Um, but it is going to be like a really cool weekend, something that I've never done before. But actually, like, even though I love F1, it's their um, headline musicians that I'm actually like really excited oh, about God. and they're off track entertainment. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, what which, a true F1 fan you are. <laughs> yeah. But I was gutted. I think it was last year. Didn't they fly Chris Brown out? I believe he performed. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So the whole sort of motivation. Yeah, because wasn't Calms there, our good friend photographer, yes. Alex so, Michael. Again, it was his influence for the artist that's performing this time, Travis Scott. 
because that's he he's like 0.01 top listener on spotify of travis scott he's right. like they've just announced travis scott's going to be performing and i'm like that is super cool actually like i want to get out i want to experience the race because we all know that jedi can provide some outrageous racing that street circuit is highly entertaining and they made quite a lot of changes to it i think this year mm. so that's going to be interesting to see yeah. that because yeah it could be kind of chaotic well let's hope it is yeah i mean that's the thing is like let, let's with all of our let's not write off the season the next few races do give us chances for some very different results you know between saudi australia um and then potentially with upgrades or b-spec cars coming at the races after that yeah, we, we've got the chance for things to turn their head. And Baku's really soon, right, actually, in the grand scheme. There's mm, a huge yeah, gap is, between yeah, Australia yeah. and Baku. I think there's a massive gap, but it is the fourth race or something. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we by the time we're doing our next episode, we might have a slightly different picture to tell. Who knows? Yeah. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but that'll be fun. That'll be awesome. I'm very jealous you're going to Saudi. I actually don't know where my first race will be. I think it might be Monaco. Actually. I think when we first started talking about 2023, how are we going to start really going at the After the Checkered Flag podcast? One of the things that we really wanted to do with being lucky enough to do what we do and the people that we've met and the races that we've actually attended, um, one of the ideas that we had, which I still think we should do, is how far can we blag <laughs> race access? Oh my God, that's such a good point. Because we know people within the F1 sphere, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're always at the top of people's lists of people that uh, uh, we're going to be invited to. However, if there's a race that is a bit of a bucket list, like for me, Saudi is one of those because sure. being out in the Middle East, the car scene out there is just insane anyway. And you're going to have amazing weather at this time of the year. I'm looking forward to it. I really want to go to Baku. And I also want to do an American Formula One race. Oh, yeah. Now, I know you've done Austin, but this year we've got Vegas, we've got Miami. I've never been to Miami, but that is on my bucket list. So there are all of these races and experiences. If there's a way in which we can just send a quick cheeky DM. I've no, DM'd I, so I think it should be more competitive than this, because I think actually, without sounding really out of touch and unrelatable, <laughs> it's not that hard for us to send a DM. Whether it results in access or not, who knows? But like, I think... I think there's enough people who are generous in this world that we could get a grandstand ticket. Yeah. To like, because people are just ridiculous at what they offer us. But I think we should be, I think our, the winner, the winner of this new challenge that we're announcing right now, <laughs> which is going to be very hard considering that I have this baby daughter that <laughs> I must spend a lot of time with. Bring, <laughs> br bring her with. I genuinely could. I actually Googled the other day, youngest age for Paddock Club. What is it? Well, fundamentally, there's no age limit you what, just have to sign a waiver you, why did you instantly go to paddock club because <laughs> that's the kind of guy just I sit in the grandstand <laughs> i like paddock club <laughs> <laughs> but no i think uh it should be to be within a team's garage in the back you know in that little booth that they have oh my god and appear on tv what appear on tv in the back of an f1 team's garage that is the challenge is the ultimate challenge will it happen this year who knows yeah but this, this podcast has <laughs> yeah, yeah. been around just for one year. That is when we have completed our F1 mission, because I've already driven an F1 car. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our ultimate mission as F1 fans. podcasters and fans, fans is how can we infiltrate this sport? Sure. Let's get... Can we, can we lower the bar to just getting on TV? 
No, 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 no. We can lower the bar to just being in the garage during a Grand Prix session. Okay, so if or we... during a race, during if, a race. If we get a selfie in the garage during a race... Which usually you're not allowed to do because they don't like photos from the back of the garage, but anyway. <laughs> um, with some kind of proof that you're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the TV is a bit of luck, so that is hard. But I do still think that should be the ultimate goal. Okay. And the winner gets... Your GT3. No. <laughs> gets... I don't know. We'll figure that out. Let us know. If you're watching... Uh, over on Recast, tweet us with the hashtag Afterticker flag and let us know what the winner of this ultimate challenge should get. But if only tweet me if you can actually provide me with access. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to us, of course, you can tweet us as well. Uh, and just a reminder, therefore, if you are listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, etc., um, you can find video versions over on our Recast page, uh, recast.tv forward slash behind the glass. Um, they're uploaded exclusively there uh, if you want to see our beautiful faces and hear us or, or watch us react to statements that either of us are throwing out to the <laughs> universe um but look you know i am i am as an f1 fan still super excited about the year ahead sounded I, at I, the beginning of the podcast you well no pessi- i just i'm pessimist. i'm just realistic in the fact that i think the championship is probably going to be fairly one-sided that's all i'm saying does that mean i'm going to enjoy the sport less not necessarily but anyway it is what it is so have fun in saudi Thank you very much. Safe travels. I'll, Send be, us I'll, some be, photos. I'll be bringing back all of the conspiracies. What if I end up on TV at the back of a big garage? This well, week? then challenge is <laughs> over. And people better suggest some yeah. good prices. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, that would be fairly epic. Bring back some merch as well because we need to update the table. Well, actually, there is something to be said about potentially if everything goes well in Saudi with what my activity is and what I'm supposed to be doing, there could be an opportunity to be revealing competitions to bring Ooh. access Ooh. to listeners and viewers well now you're teasing too much further formula one races well, don't make where actually can't keep. our viewers could get on tv before us <laughs> <laughs> and then you host the podcast <laughs> and we retire um, anyway i hope you've enjoyed watching as i say if you're over on the recast page uh, and i hope you've enjoyed listening if you're listening to us wherever you are if you want to follow paul he's at wallace pjw on most social media platforms you can see all his adventures in saudi and i'm at seen through glass on most social media platforms you can see my adventures watching the races at home okay bye-bye <laughs> After the triggered flag Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.